Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I am the worship pastor at Compass Point, and today with me again is lead pastor Paul Eastwood. Hey, how's it going? It's going all right. How are you doing, Paul? You know, same old, same old. Here we are. I'm still in my basement uh, many days, every mm-hmm. once in a while, venturing into the office with all masked up and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. hey. But at least there's more sunshine right now. Oh, like, yeah. There's getting sunshine. warmer. There's some... Um, there's some good stuff. And so, kind of as it gets warmer, we're journeying towards Easter, right? With the spring and the that's right. good stuff. And this is uh, this is what we're talking about today. We're talking about this passage where Jesus preaches his first sermon. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's going to be a good one. I'm, I really loved your message on Sunday. I thought there was some really good stuff. Um, also felt the tension of it. And we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that. Do you want to give us a little bit of a recap first? Yeah, sure. So what we were talking about on Sunday was, uh, was so what we've been doing with this series in terms of walking with Jesus is really looking, paying attention to these, these pivotal moments that displayed something really unique about who mm. Jesus was. Uh, there's lots of material about Jesus. We can follow his compassion, his love, the words that he said, and all of that stuff is great. And, and he, he sets the perfect example for us. But what we were looking at were those formative moments that actually painted a picture of what was to come as we head towards Easter. So in preparation, what we thought we would go from, you know, the temptation of Jesus where his identity is at stake and he comes out victorious over evil in the very beginning, the first step. And then what happens next is that there's this recording of when Jesus goes and, and essentially preaches the first recorded sermon that we see in, in the book of um, in the book of Luke. And so what we find here is is this, you know, Jesus comes into the Galilee, his hometown. This is, you know, everybody's kind of like, okay, here come he's like he's a rising star, everybody's loving yeah. him, things are like he's a rock star. And then he comes back into Galilee. Which, by the way, very specifically, Galilee was not exactly a place that um, that was like the top of mind for you know people in the first century. It was actually a bit of a backwater, uh, hmm. kind of mixed with Gentiles kind of place where there was the Jews were existing there, but in very very uh, different sort of circumstances than, for instance, closer to Jerusalem or in different places. And yep. and so that's actually very significant because the prophets actually talked about this idea that this prophet would come from Galilee and people mm-hmm. were kind of thinking, ah, that's a backwater town. That's not a great place. But that actually is the is the foundation or maybe the pillow on the sermon or where the sermon sits. And, and yep. I think it's important to know that. So yeah, he preaches a sermon and, it, and he opens the scroll to Isaiah. It's handed to him. He you know talks about this incredible picture of what's happening. The day of the Lord is upon us. This like incredible celebration, and and then by the time he gets to the end of his message, the people who are there want to kill him. Like literally want to throw him <laughs> off a cliff. Yep. And so I think that's a really compelling passage. And sometimes we just gloss over the fact, oh, yeah, they did want to kill him. Like, I've just, never preached a sermon where people have dragged me out and threatened to throw me off a cliff. And yeah, I've never seen say, it. <laughs> does that make you feel better or worse about the sermons you've preached? You know, is that, is that a know. good sign that people want to kill you or a bad sign? I mean, good, good question. You're is also that, not Jesus. So let's let's move on from that. Fair enough. Um, uh, <laughs> um yeah. So, so what, uh, what does this tell us? I mean, what is, when, when Jesus is, is preaching the sermon, obviously he's saying something that, that people perceive as scandalous, um, that, yeah. that you suggest and I would suggest is still true and is still kind of scandalous yeah, uh, and hard to live out and hard to do. So what is it, what is it we're being called to do here? Yeah. So, so first of all, 
on the pillow of Galilee, this place that's this backwater, strange place for a Messiah to come from, mm-hmm. Jesus begins to speak these words. And he reads from the prophet Isaiah and talks about this good news that he's here to proclaim and and all of this stuff. And then he goes and sits down. And that was the, the way that the rabbis would teach. And so they mm-hmm. stood to read the scriptures and they sat down to teach. And so he sits down and everybody's eyes are on him because they know he's about to say something. And the first thing he says is, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And everybody's looking at each other like, what did he just say? Because everybody knows this is about the Messiah. And Jesus was essentially saying in that moment, as you're hearing me say these words, it's actually being fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And then there's a stir and people are like, "Eh, I'm not really sure what's going on here. And then from there, he begins to talk about how Elijah and Elisha, that these like heavyweight prophets in, in the history of the Jewish people, And he talks about those two guys and how they went and performed these miracles to people that were outside of the family of God. And what he was saying is that sometimes you're going to see faith outside of the family of God. And so what Jesus was saying in this is he was blowing open the doors and saying that this good news is not just good news for a particular people. It's good news for everybody. And that drove the religious leaders absolutely nuts because they were thinking Mm -hmm. to themselves like, we have been working so hard to be the ones that are following Jesus. We have been like following the law, doing all these kinds of things and following God. So if anybody has an upper hand when it comes to this idea of the day of the Lord, this paradise, this, this amazing coming of, the, of, of God, mm-hmm. it's them. They, would, they thought they had the advantage in what Jesus was saying. No advantage. Yeah. I've yeah. come for the poor, the broken, the weak, right? And that's, yeah. that's, pretty, that's pretty wild. Yeah, and it's it's still true today, right? It's not just insider news; it's uh, it's outsider news. And it is. I mean, I joked earlier about you, you've never you're not Jesus, and you've never claimed to be Jesus. But what, like, this may seem obvious. What Jesus did was he claimed to be what we now know as Jesus in a time where that wasn't a thing. It would be like someone claiming that they are God today. If you right. heard a preacher stand up and say, "Hey, this this passage is all about me," right? Like we would yeah. be like, "No, you're nuts. That's wrong." So, yeah. really shocking. Um Yeah. And and then yeah, this this claim that uh the outsiders are in fact also insiders, right? The right. table is big enough for them, which is like and this wild. is and this this happens right from the Old Testament. And this is the thing that I mm-hmm. think is so amazing about about the story because the story is unfolding right from the beginning, right? And so what you have is is, you know, God sort of um, you know, brings people together and he, and he, you know, at the foot of Mount Sinai and he's saying that, you know, don't associate with people that are outside. And he says, you know, I will make you into a great nation. You are going to be, you know, pure, all this kind of stuff. And the first story that we hear is of uh, Rahab, the prostitute, who is an yeah. outsider who comes yeah. in to the, 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 the family of God. And then the next story we hear a couple of chapters later is the story of Achan, who is mm-hmm. inside the family of God and he's kicked out. So it's mm-hmm. almost like God sets it right from the very beginning. He says, he says, um, I don't know if you know that story about Achan, of course, I mean, you do, but other people, it's the story yeah. about a guy who was an Israelite who began to hide all these idols and all this kind of stuff and was trying to like, you know, whatever. And they, he got found out and he gets thrown out of this, out of the camp. But what I'm trying to say is that right from the very beginning, God has kind of said, you will be my people. You will be a blessing to all the nations. You are going to be my people and you, you, mm-hmm. you, you. And then he tells a story. And the first story is, oh, and there's an outsider who's going to be inside. Oh, and here's yeah. an insider who's going to be out. And yeah. so then you come to Luke, and Luke is the only Gentile writer in, in our New Testament. 
Um, as far as I understand, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure at least one of the only. Um, and he writes the Gospel of Luke. He's he's an outsider writing the mm-hmm. story of Jesus for a Greek audience. Mm-hmm. And and I mentioned this on Sunday, but I think this is really important. You look at the genealogy. Where does where does Luke begin, or where does Luke draw Jesus all the way to? Adam. Like mm-hmm. so, you know Matthew, who's writing to the Jews, he draw he draws the 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 um, connection back to Abraham, right? The father yeah. of God's people. Whereas, whereas Luke says, look, Jesus is, he is that he is for mm-hmm. God's people. There is, there are chosen ones, but he actually is here for everybody. And, for and everyone, so, yeah. so the picture is like, I mean, you just, you don't have to dig very deep. You just scratch the surface and you begin to see how wide God's message is. Mm-hmm. And, and as followers of Jesus, this is where, this is what we tried to get at on Sunday is that you know we uh, us insiders we very quickly develop this kind of us and them mentality it's like we're on the ins- I, I remember oh man i gotta tell you this story so when i showed up at church when i first came here um our kids our kids um uh program they were like you know kind of doing the different things that they would normally do and they were singing songs just like they normally would and i was going to be doing family ministries and so this was like week you know week one i was walking through the sunday school classes just so i could get a feel for what was going on and I listened to one of the songs they were singing for worship, and it was this this song about a door. And I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but it's one door and only one, and yet the sides are two. I'm on the inside. Which side are you? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, like it, it almost has this sense of like, I'm on the inside, nah, 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 nah. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, and, and the idea that that there is no us, you know, and them. There is no good people and bad people. There's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of bad people and one really good person. Timothy Keller said that. And, you know, and that's the that's the crux of it. And so yep. what we talked about is trying to draw out people's, you know, the prejudice and things that are in our lives that maybe we would rather not talk about, but mm. it's there. And we start, you know, not loving people the way that we should because we have this, um, you know, we have this kind of mentality where once I'm on the inside, I'm good. And people that are far away from God kind of make me uncomfortable. So I'm going to stay away from them. Someone that I don't know about, I'm going to stay away from. And what Jesus would say in that moment is, hey, like, I've blown open the doors. And so if you're following me, you're going to be someone who is welcoming too. Right, right. And so... Uh, I want to get into this. You had kind of three three points coming out of this. Um, I'm going to assume if you've been listening along, you're like, this is resonating with you. You think it's true. Uh, it, it's pretty clear in the passage, Paul, you did a great job of laying it out for us. But you, you said, you know, the things we can do, we need to become inviters. We need to deal with indifference and we need to remember that no one deserves their seat at the table. So the second two, I want to leave aside for a second. They're great. The first one, I heard it and I was both like, yes. And like, come on, how do I do this? We're in the middle of COVID. I, I you know, I can't see some of the people that I love and know, how am I supposed to invite the people I don't yet know? So can you walk me through, like, um, obviously this is true and we need to kind of take this conviction and put it into our practices post-COVID, but we're not yet post-COVID. What can I do today to become an inviter? What does that look like? Yeah, that's it. That is a really good question. And and I'll, I'll ask you the same question too. Um, you know, but from my perspective, um, Mm. you know, I would say that, you know, becoming an inviter is is not just about inviting people into our homes or inviting them, you know, actually into our space. 
but to do that in kind of the the bigger sense in the sense of like who are the kinds of people that i am inviting into those spaces and okay. so what i would say is um is you we're all going about our day right now um you know with masks on and and some of us are are outside uh for for small periods of time i'm sure but we're still passing people we're still coming in contact with them we're, we're passing mm-hmm. people in the grocery store we're passing people in the you know like at the line of whatever it is that we're waiting for so what i would say is that we should be people who have our heads up and we're watching and seeing people around us Mm -hmm. um i think sometimes we get really task oriented and we forget that there are people all around us and and begin to look at people that are around us through the eyes of jesus um you know how would he perceive the people the people that's standing you know right next to me the person who's helped me with my coffee or whatever it is Yep. And and so the way that we can begin to become inviters is to just in our minds begin to think about the people that are around us and ask those questions. You know, you know, I you like do I feel comfortable around this people person? Do I not feel comfortable around this person? You know, would hmm. I share about Jesus? Would I um would I share my story with this person? Um, you know, how would they receive it or you know, what would that look like? And all that kind of stuff. And so there can be kind of an exercise that happens on the inside. Um, but I don't know, have you thought about this too? Like, what are some ways that you can see, uh, us becoming inviters in the middle of COVID? Yeah. I, I mean, for me, um, I think part of this and part of what I've wrestled through is where I, you know, I've got limited time and energy as we all do, but especially in this season, it feels like, like it's easy to, uh, to just put the time and energy into connect with the people that I really want to connect with, uh, whether it's over zoom or sending texts or emails or, or calling people or stopping off at their front doors. Um, and like, frankly, it's way more work than it used to be. So like, I feel, you know, I'm kind of like, man, I'm doing it for a couple of my friends who I haven't seen in ages. That's pretty good. And it's easy to become like, uh, because because it's so much harder, it's easier to become indifferent to the people on the outside, right? And this kind of ties into your second point here is that we need to not be indifferent. Um, we actually, like, I have heard about friends, uh, people I know, acquaintances who are hurting, who are having a hard time. And it's easy for me to be like, well, I'm not really close to that person. I wasn't before and I haven't talked to them in a year, so not much I can do. But like, what does it look like for me to reach out? What does it look like for me to uh, to be present in a way that maybe maybe it's not physically present. It's not around our dinner table. Um, hospitality takes a lot more creativity right now, right? Uh, yeah. But I think there are there are options there, and there are ways that we can invite people in. And yeah, like you may be exhausted of Zoom, um, but there may be people who really need that. Yeah. Um, you may not feel like you want to do anything except just watch Netflix in the evening, but maybe like send a text to three or four people, like reach out. Uh, yeah. And I think that's a, that's a way we can be inviters right now. Um, and, and yeah, it's more work, but it's, uh, it's something. It allows us to, to remember that this table is big. And I, I yeah. feel like that's, that's one of the hard things about this season is that it's like, and one of the reasons this sermon is so good and so necessary right now. Um, it, our, all of our lives have become insider only. Yeah. Right. Like, like we are, we're stripped back to the bare minimum right now, which is the people we work with and the people we live with and maybe a couple of close friends. Um, and, and, you know, I hear people talking about it and I hear people saying, oh, maybe this isn't so bad after all. And I think, oh no, like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Like, it's good to simplify. It's good to reprioritize. But if we, if this leads us to be more insular, uh, and think less about the people outside than 
then we're getting it wrong. Yeah. No, yeah. that's that's really well said. And I think I think you're right. We we all have a certain amount of like well, a capacity that and mm. it's like I need to touch base with this person and this person and this person because they're, you know, in my life and, you know, whatever it happens to be, whatever for whatever reason, family or whatever. But I like I like the idea of just thinking outside of our normal circles and, you know, recognizing that there are people, you know, perhaps that we should be getting in contact with more often. I, I actually it's making me think of some people that I know I could probably mm. reach out to that, you know, that are sort of on the outside of my, you know, immediate circle anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's lots of lots of those people. And I mean it I I I get it because I I do the same thing most evenings and most days. I'm like, I really just I don't have the energy, right? I don't have yeah. the energy. Um, but then I, I also look back and I think of those times when I have reached out and connected with people in various ways. Mm-hmm. And at the end of those conversations, I almost never regret it. Uh, it's often at the beginning where I decide I don't want to do it, that I'm like, this isn't worth it. Yeah. But by the time you get to the end, you're like, no, this is absolutely worth it. Uh, and like, I am, I'm pretty introverted. Um, people may not believe me in that. I have learned to be an extrovert because I spend a lot of time on a stage trying to lead people. But, um, my natural disposition is pretty, pretty insider uh, yeah. in, in myself. So I, yeah, I, it's something I need to work on too. And I think this is that, that indifference in some ways, right? If I actually care what Jesus said, if yeah. I believe this is true, then I can't just sit back. Uh, yeah. I can't just be okay with my closest friends and myself, right? Yeah, and I think I think the indifference piece is a big one because what it it it's sort of so when I was writing this uh, this message, I was actually I was kind of about to go in two different directions, and I ended up kind of mm. talking more about the seat and the you know space at the table and those kinds of things. But another way to look at this is to think about you know what happens when our relationship with Jesus becomes comfortable, because I think that's at essence what was happening with these with these teachers of the law. They had become so comfortable with their relationship with God that they figured they had it all sorted out and they sat back and they enjoyed the, you know, quote unquote favor of the Lord. They were, you know, that everything was good. Their relationship with God was, you know, in their mind, all was set and everything was fine. And so when this young rabbi, when Jesus comes along and he begins to teach and he's talking about different things and opening up the doors and loving your enemies and all this kind of stuff, you know, they were sitting back with their arms crossed saying like, you know, come on, you're, 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 you're just being, you know, silly, like you're pushing the envelope, like the the Bible, the, you know, what we've read in the Torah is already laid out for us. So we know what we're doing and we're doing it. So just, you know, that's enough. Mm-hmm. And I think this, that I think is, is something that is so transferable because in our lives we get comfortable. Like we, mm-hmm. we accept Jesus into our life. And I think if any of you who are listening to this, think back to the moment where you first accepted Jesus, um, you know, you likely uh, for many of us have had those experiences where there's just this, this sense of like awe and excitement and, you know, almost the, you know, elevated heartbeat, heartbeat, even, you know, just this Mm. idea of like, man, this is awesome. This is amazing. And over time, what happens is that is that relationship begins to change. And for many of us, what happens is we get into a place of comfortability um, and we just sit there in that comfortableness. And and sometimes it keeps us from looking outside the way that Jesus did to the people that are around us. And and so I think, you know, I think this idea of indifference is really related to our comfort Mm -hmm. and um 
you know, and, you know, because, because reaching out or making those, those, those changes or, or kind of dealing with people that are different than us is actually a little bit of work. It might be difficult in some way. And so I think that's where, where we have to draw ourselves or just kind of, you know, put a, put a line in the sand and say, you know what, this isn't going to be me. I'm not going to be one of those people that gets really comfortable with where I am. And I, I guess, I guess the pandemic has actually taught us to, this idea of like, you know, the, it's easy to get comfortable and mm-hmm. to just kind of say, okay, you know what? I figured this out. My family's good. I've, you know, I've been able to connect with my, you know, other people. So I'm good where I am. And, yeah. um, Jesus never said as followers of Jesus, Hey, you know, you're good where you are. Just, you know, just hang out there until yeah. Jesus comes again and everything's good. Yeah. He's like, you got a job to do. Look around. I mean, you know, the kingdom mm-hmm. of God is at hand and this is exciting news. It's good news for broken people and hurting people and sad people. And, and so we need to do our part to, to follow his example and, and open up our lives as well. Yeah. And I mean, the, we're, we're almost out of time here, but the last little bit, you know, the broken people, the hurting people, uh, that's all of us, right? None oh, of yeah. us are the people who have it together. And if you think you have it together, like check yourself, right? Like, mm, yeah, there's something going on there. So uh, any, any totally closing agree. thoughts for us, Paul, any, I mean, it could be on that could be on something else. Um, well, in yeah. uh, first John chapter four, it says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and that he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. He set the example. Let's get to following. Love it. Well, thanks for listening along to Postscript this week. We will be back next week with more.